You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Okay, so um, last week, like I said, it wasn't really a sermon, just a word that the Lord gave me. So we're kind of getting back into this series Um, What we talked about several weeks ago is that we believe in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit at Sundown Church. We believe in the Holy Spirit. It is not Father, Son, Holy Word. You don't have this without the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me what I'm saying? You don't have the Word of God without the Spirit of God to impart the Word of God to the men of God. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? Paul doesn't write this New Testament without the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ministry does not exist and there's not a a gospel to preach without the Holy Spirit. The gospel didn't start till after the baptism of Jesus and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. That's when the ministry started that has put us where we are today. So to dismiss the Holy Spirit from your lives is foolishness. I don't mean to offend, but to dismiss Him from your life, you are foolish. Because you are not meant to live without Him. And to think that you are, when Jesus did it, I don't want to be standing in your place when you stand in front of Jesus saying, I didn't need what you needed. I could do this without it. That's not how that works. It won't work out well for you. So just stop, right? You're a kid. You're about to touch the stove and I'm swatting your hand away. So just stop it because you're going to get burned, right? The Holy Spirit is necessary. We need it. People need to hear this too. There are churches all over this nation with people that don't operate in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. They've not received the Holy Spirit. They don't know the Holy Spirit. You don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you can't know the heart of God. You cannot know the heart of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, who knows the the heart of God but the Spirit of God in Him? Who knows your heart but your spirit that is within you? Does anybody but God know your heart better than you do? No. Because it is your own. And the Holy Spirit is the Lord's. And He imparts this Spirit to us that we would know Him. We would know His heart. We would know His thoughts. We would know, uh, uh, we would know the plans that He has for us and those for the plans that He has for those around us. It is the Holy Spirit who understands the heart of God. And without Him, we cannot ever hope to understand the Lord, operate in Him fully, and have a full relationship like we are intended to have, like Jesus came and paved a way for us to have. Not a partial relationship, but a full relationship. I was talking to somebody this week, um, and we, we just got talking about busyness and different things like that, and, um, and not, and, you know, just busyness. And it's, they were just asking, you know, how Sarah and I, like, do we see each other? Like, yeah, we see each other all the time. It's, it's a priority, and of, of course, it's not like anything that we think of. And it's not, sometimes we have to make time for it, right? We have to make time like, hey, we have to stop. We need to go out, get a babysitter, go do our own thing. Um, we've realized that when we get a babysitter and we want to go out, Sarah and I, we have to do it while the sun's up. Because if we do it after the sun's down, it's going to be a short outing. Because we're both going to be falling asleep, sitting at dinner, because we're parents now. And so nine o'clock starts rolling around and it, I, I mean, we are flirting with a line of me falling asleep while we're driving home. Uh, so we have to do those things. We know those things, but it's, it's just in us. We've never really had to struggle with that. But I realized in this conversation, there are so many people 
that do not interact with their spouses. They go all day. They'll see each other at the end of the day. They'll have dinner and then they'll go off and start doing their own things. And they just that's that's it. That's their entire lives. And it's normal for society. And, and that's how we have interacted with the presence of God. It's just this kind of ah, if I if I get a second. But if you do that to your marriage where, where it doesn't end up in a good place. Right. If you do not prioritize relationship, it will never end up in a good place. And it's the same with the Lord. If we do not prioritize relationship, we can never hope to understand his heart, understand who he is and understand who I am within him. If I don't spend time with Sarah, she doesn't know that my heart is for her. And I don't know that her heart is for me. And then what does that leave room for? Leaves room for doubt, fear and division. And when those creep in, bad things start to happen. Turmoil takes place. These things happen. And we live in a world right now full of turmoil. And if you don't want that introduced into your life, spend time with the one you need to spend time with the most. And that's the presence of God. No believer is meant to live their lives separated from the Holy Spirit. Jesus defeated the grave. He appeared and he departed to go to the Father that he can send the Holy Spirit to us. Or as Jesus calls him the helper, he speaks about his departure and his sending the Holy Spirit in John 16, 5 through 7. It will be on the screen. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It is to our advantage. And just to, just to again, put this in further context, uh, Bill Johnson uh, used this as an illustration in, his, uh, in one of his sermons uh, a while ago. And, and not this example exactly, but just pointing out the reality that these people, we just worshiped. And praise the name of Jesus. Could you imagine what it would be like to sing praises to him and him sitting right there? Whew. That's what they had. They, they were literally witnessing prophecy that they have heard their entire lives. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years prophesied of the Messiah. And they were standing shoulder to shoulder with him. Can you imagine the profoundness of that? For us, it's this thinking of, you know, we've been told our whole lives about the second coming, right? Now imagine when that happens. We're standing shoulder to shoulder with him in the flesh. That's what they had. And you also need to understand this is the first time that people walked amongst God since the garden. In the flesh. Whew. From that moment, when sin entered, they had been separated from God. They've had, there were few that had had encounters with God. They've seen the miraculous nature and power and display of God. They knew God was real, but they did not stand shoulder to shoulder with Him. Uh, Ten Commandments. Gosh, I just forgot. I forgot the mount. I forgot the story. I forgot all of it. But when those were being displayed, it wasn't God just standing there in a room at a desk and they were just talking and writing it out. He, sh he could not even reveal his fullness to him without 
because it would kill him. It, he could not, he, he was blinded from looking at the back of him. Guys, this is the, this, so, so again, I, I bring this to this perspective. They were standing next to Jesus. They were standing next to the presence of God and they had witnessed up to this point the miraculous nature of God again. Not, but not a cloud or a pillar of fire or manna raining from heaven or a, or a parted sea. They were literally witnessing the vessel of Jesus Christ Himself and the miracles flow from Him in the flesh. And then He was saying, you're going to do this too. Greater things will you do. Oh, but by the way, I'm going to leave. So just to put that in perspective, world shattered in this moment. But what, again, what did he say? It is to your advantage that I leave. I, I real, I, if, if we don't get anything else from today, I, I'm good with that. If we can just get this that you would believe in the depths of your heart and understand this reality that it is to your advantage to live life with the Holy Spirit. It is to your advantage. If you think your life is great right now, you are so unfortunately mistaken. Because if you think it's great right now and you're not walking with the Holy Spirit, you are not accessing your inheritance. Life would be great if I had a million dollars in the bank. But again, if I'm not willing to access it, I just like pulling it up on my phone and looking at it, I can still starve to death. Because I'm not willing to use that which God gave me. I can look at it and be like, woo, I'm rich. But if I don't access those things, it's just words that I'm saying. And I'm missing out on the inheritance in which God has given me and poured out for me. Church, the Holy Spirit, when he was present in the garden, when, when the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man came to be a living creature. He was not just a living creature, but he was directly linked to God. We all have appliances at home. We use a toaster a lot, right? I like bagels, toast, bread, carbs, good place, right? Toaster is a, a, a holy machine. Um, but it is not any good if it is not plugged in. And when sin entered, we were unplugged. We had, we had, we had no function because without any source of power, all it is is a big silver box that sits on your counter that cannot do anything for you. Nothing. The Holy Spirit is, is not only the source of power, but he is the one that has linked us back to God. We, we, in receiving him, Jesus has made a way that we can be plugged back in and the Holy Spirit's the one that's doing it and providing the power. Without that, you are still just this vessel sitting on the counter not to be used with no function. Jesus, again, Jesus did not function in the fullness of who God had called him to be and sent him on this earth to be. And Hill, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. That is important to understand. Fully God, fully man. But he never stepped foot into the fullness 
of displaying the nature of God that would be eventually for us to step into as well until he himself received the Holy Spirit. Who are we to think that we can navigate this world without him? And I'm not specifically talking to this room. I'm just looking at our culture as a whole, our Christian culture, and how many people think that the Holy Spirit is just kind of like a side project that if you've got time for him, he's fun to play with. He's not a toy. If you've got the finances and you can go get a ranger, that's great. That's fun. That's, they're fun to drive around, but that's not, the, that's not the Holy Spirit. He's not a toy. He's not a plaything that you pull out on Sundays and drive around in. He is to be your advantage in this life. And the Lord calls him the helper. How many of you have ever needed help? How many of you have ever needed help with something that you knew no man could help you with? Every one of you. I don't need you to show your hands because I already know the answers. I got the test. Every one of us has lived. There's not a person alive on this earth that has come to a circumstance and felt like they had everything they needed to navigate it. There are so many times, more times than not, where we come to a circumstance and we realize our inadequacy to get ourselves through this. Our inability to get through it. And then throw kids into it. Throw family into it. And you come to a circumstance. It's not just you and the circumstance, is it? You have a lot of people. And then if you can't navigate it for yourself, how are you going to lead them through it? He is the helper. He is what plugs us into the source of power and identity. Without Him, it is impossible. If life with Him, with, if life without the Holy Spirit was possible, Jesus would not have sent Him. Did, just think about that for a second. Was Jesus wasteful? Did Jesus do anything in waste? No. Is there a miracle that was like, Seriously, like, we could have done without that one. That seems a little wasteful. Did you get that vibe from any of the scriptures and the testimonies of Jesus? Not a single one. Jesus did not, he was not wasteful. God is not wasteful. He never did or said anything that was not necessary. He also did not operate in ministry without the Holy Spirit. Jesus was publicly recognized by God the Father after his baptism and the receiving of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is the abiding presence in a believer's life. It is the evidence to all creation that you belong to the Father. The Holy Spirit is that seal of identity and authority, and it is for you, and you are meant to wear this seal of identity. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple for the, of, of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? If you'll turn with me now to Acts 10, this is, this is where we'll spend some time with this morning. Um, I had an idea of what we were going to talk about when it came to Acts 10. There's, a, there, there's a, an easy way to take this, uh, but the Lord presented a, a different question in Acts 10. As I was reading it and as I was sitting with it, um, we, we sat in a, in a moment after the offering was being taken where we, just were, we were just silent and Jay was playing. Um, that was intentional because there was just this feeling that the Lord was speaking. I don't know who he was speaking to, but he was speaking, preparing hearts for the word today. I don't know who this is for, but uh, if it's for one of you, praise God. And if it's for all of us, praise God. 
But the question that he presented as I was reading Acts 10, do you see yourself worthy to receive him? Do you see yourself worthy to receive that which Jesus left so that he could send? That's a big thing to think about. And that's not, this is not a VBS answer to a question. Yes, I do. I don't want that, like frolicking through the flowers like everything is okay. Because if, if that's just how you are and you're so casual about saying yes to it, we should see it every day. Right? So there is a little bit of a conversation that needs to be had internally with yourself about the reality of, of this question. Do you see yourself worthy to receive him? We're going to dive into this a little bit. Acts 10, verse 1. We're going to read all of Acts 10. Uh, I looked this word up, church. Um, you can ask Jay and Sarah. I looked this word up to try to pronounce it correctly. Um, and it was, I had a Spanish teacher in high school uh, who didn't speak Spanish. Um, so that's how I learned Spanish. That's why I don't speak it currently. Um, blind leading the blind. So still blind. Um, and when I thought Google had the answer, it, was, it just put me right back in ninth grade Spanish class with my, with my country teacher that talked and said, como te llama? You know, things like that. Uh, so, but it literally pronounced it as though we were in the backwoods uh, talking about Jesus. Because uh, it called this Caesarea, and I'm not kidding you, it literally said Caesarea. Like even Google had a little twang to it, and I, I, that's not right. But I've now forgotten the conclusion that we came to when we said it in fellowship time. That's why it's important for you to be there, so you guys could keep me in line. What was it? What do you? Were, it's, uh, it's Caesarea, duh. That's not what Google said. It's Caesarea. That's what we'll do. It's Caesarea. Uh, it sounds like something you would get at uh, Cece's Pizza. I'll have the Caesarea, please. Okay? So at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God, with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And, ha and having relate related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, so just keep in mind, this is something just important to recognize. Gentiles have not heard of salvation from Christ yet. This is important. Everything that we've seen right now, this is, these are Jews that are encountering this word of God. This, is, this has not been 
clarified yet that this is for all. Right now, this is just very much a Jewish thing still. The Spirit of God, Jesus Christ and His sacrifices for the Jews. Okay, so this is, this, is, uh, this is one of those moments. This is a pivotal moment. It's still very much among the Jews. And now in Acts 10, verse 9, the next day, as they were uh, on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down uh, to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken uh, by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day, he rose and went with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered, what was it? Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to fear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Okay, so a few things. Just recognize this. It, it was considered unlawful against Jewish law to even go in to a Gentile's home and speak with them or eat with them. Unlawful. No, no. Not allowed. Don't do it. So just to understand, too, this man falls at Peter's feet and begins to worship him. Why? Because he knows that he is one that walked with Jesus, the one he worships. So he is so removed from the reality of Jesus 
that when he sees Peter, he counts him as, as, as a holy one as well, as one of Jesus' holy saints or whatever, and begins to worship him because he just doesn't know. If he had just been there and walked with Peter for a few days, he would have recognized that Peter is just like him and kind of a dope and messes it up a lot and, and got it wrong. And Jesus kind of had to thump him on the back of the head the whole time. Peter was just a man, but so far removed, so far removed we, we, have, we have experienced this. I have experienced this. I have been in villages where when I come and begin to speak and preach the name of Jesus in these places, these people begin to count us higher than they should count. Like they begin to remove themselves from, from who we are. And instead of us being relatable that, no, we are the same in the eyes of the Lord, they see us as holy because we can preach this and we know about this truth. Because we know it and we clearly have access to it. So because we have access to it, we must be holier than they are. We must be higher up than they are. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun in those moments where you tell them, no, the Lord doesn't see me any higher than he sees you. He calls me a son and you are too. This, this forgiveness of sins was for me and was for you and was given for us at the same time, not separately. I came into it at a different moment because of, just because of where I live and where I grew up. I only know Jesus because of my surroundings that I was born into, that I had no control over. That's it. Because there were adults in my story that made a choice to follow Jesus, I was naturally put in place and in front of Jesus on a regular basis. And then I came to know him for myself. Only because I have adults that made that choice because it was readily available to us. We went to this place and they, they did not know the name of Jesus. They had... They, what? And, and those that had heard the name of Jesus thought he was just some white guy from America. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but sad. Like, no, he's closer to you than he was to us. He, and you have more in common with him than I do. Just in the life that you understand and the way that you live now, you get Jesus in the life that he lived way better than I ever could. And to tell them these things is, is, and to watch their faces as they begin to realize that everything that I'm presenting to them, they can have. And it won't cost them a thing. All they have to do is say yes. It's mind-boggling. Because again, we talked about this last week. This is something that we've always lived in. We live in the, it's not as much anymore, but when I grew up, and when most, all of us grew up, in the Bible Belt. And it's still that in a lot of ways. You, you go get on I-20 and drive down it, you're going to hit a bunch of churches the whole time. You're going to see churches everywhere. <coughs> so we have a lot of access to this. Cornelius had none. He was not allowed to go to the temple. He was not allowed to worship God in the places where the Jews worshiped God. He was not welcomed in those places and it doesn't help that he was a Roman. So they really didn't like him. He was a part of this Italian division of Romans. He was a centurion. So Jews hate those guys 
And they're a little mad because they wanted Jesus to come back and kill all of those people. And what Jesus did was make himself available to those people. And they don't like that. Okay, so Cornelius is in a, is in a tough spot. Jesus did not dwell in the company, or Jews, sorry, Jews did not dwell in the company of Gentiles. Now an apostle is in the house who walks side by side with Jesus in the house of a Gentile. And this is a moment where generation strongholds of division are about to come crashing down. This is a big moment, an important moment in Scripture. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You, yourself, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He, sent, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead." To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the uh, circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. They previously thought not to be worthy of access to the kingdom of heaven. And they've just been given access to the kingdom of heaven. And you got to realize this is a fresh word for Peter as well. This is the first time he's bringing this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation for sins. The ministry of reconciliation. This is the first time that he brings it to Gentiles. And you've got to understand this is not just a big moment for them and for that nation at that time. Because of that obedience... Because one walked with the Holy Spirit and was obedient, even though it went every, against everything culturally that he had ever known, because he said, yes, operated in obedience, we have a church today. Amen. You understand that we are a fruit of that moment in that room of Cornelius. Absolutely. We are the fruit, we are the byproduct of saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Because one said yes. And he went in and he preached. He didn't do anything but preach the gospel, preach the truth that the Lord had revealed, that what I have revealed to you, what I have given to you is for them as well. So he just starts sharing the good news of Jesus. And he start, you notice how he doesn't say that it's for the Jews. He says it's for all. There's this click, this moment where he recognized that when he said, for God so loved the world, 
that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would have eternal life. When He said that, He didn't mean the Jewish world. He meant the world. So this is a huge moment for Peter because he is seeing what he encountered in the upper room taking place in a Gentile's home. It's the second upper room. You hear what I'm saying? This, this, is, this, is, this is like Pentecost again. Because now instead of it being available to the Jews, the Jews are recognizing that it, is, it has been made available to everyone that lives and breathes, that will be and ever has been. It is for them as well. And because of that, and because of that obedience, it has reached a nation that hadn't existed yet. A town that didn't exist yet. And a church that didn't exist yet. That would come thousands, thousands of years later. But the fruit of choosing the Holy Spirit is everlasting. It will not return void. It is to our advantage. He is the helper. And when we choose Him, the ripple effect goes beyond anything that we can see and measure because you cannot see a thousand years into the future. You can't comprehend it because you won't be here for it. And neither were they. But because of their obedience to bring the good news of Jesus... And the truth and the presence of God into that Gentile's home, thousands of years later, we reap the benefits. Remember this. Remember this point as, as we continue on. Acts 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying... You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at the very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, in which we were sent to me from the place. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me and we entered the man's house and he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. Just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in, G in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Praise God. 
Their world has just been rocked yet again. It has been never ceasing since Jesus entered the picture, the paradigm shifting revelation that he has continually released to them. And now the Holy Spirit, because Peter received him, stepped into the presence and stepped into the fullness of relationship with him on the day of Pentecost. Now there are Gentiles that know the name of Jesus and have received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They're beginning to realize how much bigger this all is. In John 10, 9, it says, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And they're recognizing that when he says, if anyone enters by me, he literally meant anyone. Again, they're Their state of mind has only been on the Jews. When he says anyone, they're thinking any Jew. That's always where their mind has gone up until this point of revelation that the Lord brought to Peter. Up until this point. This gift of the Holy Spirit. He is for everyone. All are meant to be filled with His presence. All are meant to walk in communion with Him. And all are meant to be vessels for the Spirit of God that he may establish the kingdom of heaven in and through them. And now again, the question. Do you see yourself worthy to receive the Holy Spirit? Do you see that when he speaks of the Holy Spirit doing, being for all, he is talking about you? He is talking about me. He is talking about us. He's talking about everybody in Sundown, Texas. There's not a single person that he is leaving out when he says that the presence of God is for all. You have been made worthy by the blood of Jesus to carry the presence of God. That anywhere you are, the presence of the Lord is there also. The same power that Jesus had has been made available to us. Do we see this? Do we view ourselves as common, like he says in Acts 10? What God has made clean, do not call common. Don't dismiss the Spirit of God from your life. We, we have done this. I have done this. I have grown up doing this. I, I lived, and this was modeled uh, by so many people. Uh, I grew up in church, and sometimes that's wonderful, and sometimes that was a great disadvantage. Because of all the things I had to unlearn. Because what I thought of God was the image of people that did not know him themselves. And so I, I, I had to unlearn a lot of bad lessons from the church, unfortunately. Um, and that there's grace. Everybody's in process not to put down any of those people because they, they knew what they knew. They had been taught. And if they were taught wrong, then they're going to teach wrong. And that's just how it happens. But when you dismiss the Holy Spirit, you can't ever hope to teach this. Can't. I'm telling you right here and right now, the Holy Spirit's the only reason I stand here today. There is other than relationship with Him and knowing Him and knowing His heart for me, there is absolutely... No appeal to this job. Big old goose egg. It's just, this is not a job that's just like, you know what, I think I'll just be a pastor. It sounds fun. This is hard. It's like really hard. And it's always uncomfortable. 
especially when you're the only pastor in a city. This is the only church that, that has a full staff. Melissa is the only children's minister in Sundown, Texas. When I came here, there were four churches operating every Sunday. It's not what it is anymore. We got like a Bible study group next door. And I'm grateful for that. Praise God for that. But church, we're it. We're it. And if we don't choose the fullness of what God has revealed to us here and now, they will never see it. There's no one else coming to do what God has called you to do. And so oftentimes I think we dismiss the Holy Spirit from our lives because we think someone else should probably do that other than me. I don't know how many times, how many conversations I've had with people that have convinced themselves out of doing what God has called them to do. Because they just don't see themselves worthy to receive that dove, that presence of God as Jesus did. Jesus did not come to display an example for us that we were not meant to live ourselves. He came to reveal to us, not, make, not just simply make a way, but make a way to what? To the kingdom now, not later. Now! We live, this is the funniest thing, uh, it's, I, it's something that I, I can't ever grasp, but leave, we live in a right now culture. Right now culture. I want everything now. Right? Amazon deliver. I want it now. Right? We get, we get mad when our two-day shipping is three days. How dare they? Right? And what are show, and I'm the, listen, I'm the same way. Okay? What are, what are TV shows doing? I don't know if any of you guys watch shows. Sarah and I like to hang out and unwind and watch a uh, good like crime show or something like that. You know what they're doing now? The audacity of these people? Making me wait a week like I'm in the early 2000s. What are we? We're going backwards. I want to binge watch it. I want to stay up till 4 a.m. And then I want to complain about how tired I am the next three days. That was the cycle I was used to. We all did this. Most of us did this. I did this. Okay? I know I did this. Because we are a right now culture. We do not like waiting for the things that we want. We don't. When Sarah and I were waiting for this house that we live in now, and we found a cheap, just a, a, a big compromise to the vision, or to, to the prayer, right? Have, have you ever done that? You pray for something, and then you, get some, you, you see something that kind of looks like that, and you're like, well, that's not really what I'm praying for, but I guess I'll just take that. The less than version of what you asked for. Right? Because in that moment you're worshiping a less than God. That's not who he is. He's a God of abundance, right? But just kicking and screaming because I want what I prayed for and I want it now. This is a, we are a right now culture. In a lot of ways, this is really terrible. But what I can't understand is that we have kingdom access to the miraculous and powerful nature of God right now. We don't have to wait for it. We don't have to wait for death to see the goodness of God in fullness. We don't have to wait for death to see the kingdom of heaven. We can have it right now. But for some reason, we want everything that is of this world right now and we want the kingdom later. We want the kingdom later. 
my kids get a, uh, every Friday, is, it's treat day, because we have movie nights on Fridays as a family, so they go, they get a treat, they buy some candy, and that turns into a cheap dollar store toy sometimes, right? Because they just see it and they have to have it. It is the most important thing to them. And those toys last on a good day, the car ride home. It's seven and a half minutes. That, and that's the longevity of life. But in those moments, trying to explain to them, like, buddy, let's get something that you're going to enjoy a little bit longer. Maybe let's not, because they'll also, it's like, that's too expensive. We're not paying for that. We're like, well, I have money. Like, oh, you don't want it, but I want it now. And they do this, and then it just fades. And how many of us have done that and have needed something? We felt so convinced in our bones, this is going to enrich my life right now. I need it. I want it. I don't want to wait for it. I want it now. And we get it. And three weeks later, it's like, eh, I don't even know where that is. I lost it already. I've done this before. Hundreds of times. Sarah and I have done this. We've talked about, we've done it with vehicles like, oh, we just need a better vehicle. We need a nicer vehicle. We need to do this. We need it. We need it. We need it. We get it. We're kind of like, eh, we shouldn't have done that. That was dumb. This is just a thing. We do this. This is what we do. But we are, we, we do it over and over. And like we've forgotten the lesson that the things of this world that you think you need right now, you really don't. You don't need it. But the one thing that you need right now, we've said, can wait till tomorrow. But do you realize that every day you wait is another day that the generation coming up after us has to wait? It puts them later in the encounter of revelation that they could have right now. My choosing him today transforms their tomorrow. But if I don't choose him today, they don't see him tomorrow. They have to wait an extra day. Why, how many of us found and experienced the goodness and true nature of God later in life? A lot of us. A lot of us. We grew, I grew up in church. I very rarely missed a Sunday. I missed the most Sundays my freshman year of college. Just to put that in perspective. That's it. Because I was lazy and I didn't want to get up and go to church. But that was it. Because my mom wasn't there for the first time in my life to get my butt up, make me get dressed, and take me to church. That was the, only, that was the most Sundays I've ever missed in my entire life, freshman year of college. That's how much church I had. And it wasn't just a Sunday thing. We were all in. We were the Wednesday night. We were the Sunday mornings for Sunday school and all the good stuff. And then we were the Sunday night Bible study group. I was there three times Minimum a week, my entire life. My entire life. This is what I grew up in. And I'm telling you right now, I, we, we lived in the midst of people that were putting it out here. Not for right now. Even in those moments, Jesus was a far off thing. The Holy Spirit was a far off thing that we'll get to eventually. I grew up in this church. I grew up seeing, I, not in this church, but in church. And I've lived and lived and lived and lived in this stuff and in the, in the teachings of God. And I still didn't know him until my sophomore year of college. And I had to get there myself. And you know how I got there? Drugs, addiction, 
alcohol, everything I could do to hurt myself, I did it. Thinking it was just for fun. And I grew up in church. But it's because, unfortunately, I didn't have anybody that was choosing the true, full revelation of who God is and what Jesus came and did and the power of the Holy Spirit. My parents received the Holy Spirit later in life as well. And it was after I came here. They loved the Lord, but their access to Him was limited and because of that it delayed my encounter with Him. Do you want your kids to wait till they're in their 20s and they've gone through drug and addiction and abuse and all those things to find the true nature of God? There's a generation of people that are growing up right now before our very eyes. Are we going to make them wait for the goodness of God that is for them now? We, can we not be a right now people that want Jesus in the kingdom of heaven in sundown right now? Why would you wait? Are you finding any hope in the waiting to choose him later? Have things, you know, I think they're going to pan out. I think the shaking's going to stop and things are just going to magically get better. If that's where you think, please tell me what you're listening to and what you're seeing. Because all I'm seeing is things to be hopeless about. I'm seeing a lot of things that are man-made that are going to fail. And they are failing right now. Government. School, medicine, insurance, just the ability to go to the grocery store and, and spend less than $500 for a week of food. Not possible. Are you hopeful that the world's going to figure it out on its own? Are we? We can't be delusional. And I'm not speaking to you specifically. I'm talking to the world that we're in right now. Do you see what I'm talking about? But church, who else do you see in sundown that is going to step into what you are meant to step into right now? And ask this, do our kids have another day to wait for what we have access to today? They do not. They do not. The conversations I've had to have with my little boys about the things that they've experienced at school, not because of school. This is not a sundown ISD thing. That's not what I'm saying at all. I love that place. I love that building and everyone in it. But the, the stories that they're hearing from their peers, the things that our kids are experiencing, doesn't give me hope for what it, tomorrow is holding if we don't choose them today. The only hope the only hope is Jesus. There is no election. There is, there is no magical remedy. There is no financial plan. There's no border security. There is nothing that is going to fix the mess of this world but Jesus. And nothing is meant to but Jesus. But you can't live and as Jesus did, and be a reflection, an image of God in which he makes his appeal through without the Holy Spirit that Jesus had. You want to look like Jesus, you got to have what Jesus had. And that's the Holy Spirit. And today is the day. Not to choose part of it, not to say, you know what, I'll, I'll take a step, but to let him have all that is you. 
every aspect of your life. And tomorrow there will be hope because of what you choose today. You hear what I'm saying? Church, the Holy Spirit is to our advantage. To our advantage. When was the last time somebody somebody you trusted and loved told you that this will be to your advantage and you're like, never, nah, no thanks. No. If, if, If Jay came up to me and said, hey, you need to do this. This is going to be to your advantage. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to do that thing. Because I trust him. And I know him. Jesus, the one we just worshipped, said he is the Holy Spirit. It is for your advantage that I leave and send him to you. And he's called the helper for a reason. There's not a one of us in here that doesn't need help. There's not a one of us in here capable of establishing the kingdom of heaven in our children's lives and in the lives of those around us in our own doing. You can't do it. If you could have done it, Jesus wasn't necessary. So if Jesus is necessary, then so is the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. This is for us. This is for us. I, church, I, I was talking about this and I've still felt this, just feeling trapped in, in a broken system that I can't fix. You know, dealing with it with Kai and the insurance company, telling them they don't see it medically necessary to do these procedures, to just get them checked. I'm like, what? You're not his dad. I am. And I'm telling you, this is not who he is. This is medically necessary. I don't care what what size number he is on your spreadsheet. But that's the system that we're in. And if he doesn't have it, I could go to jail. Isn't that fun? I will be stripped from my family if I don't do this thing that is hurting my family. That's, that, that's what it is to feel trapped. There's, and there's, there's no fixing it. Short of going to the building and burning it down, there's no fixing it. This is the world that we're in. And if we keep looking for solutions to the world that we're in, within the world we're in, we will continue on the spiral down. For every earthly problem, there's a heavenly solution. And the heavenly solution now is just choose the presence of God that he can be in this world to greater extent flowing through more people, hands and feet, co-laboring. He needs co-laborers. Can't be a co-laborer with Christ if you do not operate in the spirit of God. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.